Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I love Wednesdays. What about you, Louise? Is Wednesday a significant day in your life or is it just another day, another dollar? I prefer Tuesdays. Why? Because Tuesdays is closer to Friday than last Friday. <laughs> when you can't Wednesday's even closer uh, folks, of course folks don't even try to work out that logic there is no point there is no point gets in working you, out whatever gets you through the week <laughs> I love the middle of the week I love the Wednesdays because then you're into the run for the weekend you, you love know. your Wednesday club oh well of course that might be a little bit to do with it as well of course yes you are so right <laughs> Anyway, we're going to start off today. Louise, you know, this is a very special lady we're going to hear from next. Her name is Nancy Stewart. And folks, let me tell you this. She's 106 years of age. Think about it. She was born in 1913, Louise, before the rising in 1916, before the state before she's older than came the state. Came into being. She's older yep. than the state, actually. And she's hale and hearty and lives by herself still in her own home in County Mead. And she's so positive, isn't she, Jerry? Oh, what a woman in Clannard. Now, I spoke to her some time ago, uh, but, you know, with the election looming, this woman is adamant. And like I've said on this show myself, I, you know, I've said it several times, no matter what your shade is, no matter how people disagree, go out and vote on Saturday. Vote Please vote, whatever age you are. If you're just at your first election, young people, get out there and vote as well. Everybody should vote. Exercise your democratic right. Make your feelings knowing, known. Well, Nancy, you know, at 106, she's going voting this Saturday and she's making sure she is. And this morning, a little earlier on, I had a chat with her. Have a listen to this. Roll it there, Louise. Good morning. Good morning, Nancy. How are you? I'm very good. How's yourself? I have to be good talking to you. Your old boyfriend from Drogheda is on to you again. Yes, always. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Nancy, I gave you a ring to have a chat with you about the election. Are you voting on Saturday? I hope so. And you voted in every election since you were able to vote? Well, I I didn't take much interest and I I was too too busy minding my children in the early years. Once you, you had your children minded and everything, you make a point of voting always. Oh, I would. Why is it important to vote, Nancy? Well, I think it's a shame to see all the children with no homes, no place to go, 
no houses, no nothing going around. There was nothing like that in our day. They built all the small little, lovely cottages, but they were on the ground. There was no upstairs on it. Only in later, in later years, then, they built upstairs rooms. And I think the little ones were lovely, you know. They weren't little, but they looked nice and tidy and everything. Mm. Do you think we've gone mad with the houses? Well, I don't know you are gone mad. You are mad building them, man. <laughs> <laughs> As far as I know, I'm not out much. I'm only listening to what I'm, what I hear them talking about. In your day, the council built. Yes, and there were lovely houses, and the people minded them beautiful and everything. Because when I lived in Castle Record, I lived there at the post office. We had it in our younger days when my mother was alive, and then my sister Mag had it for a while, and then she got too old. And it went all together now. There's no post office there now. It's in love. So you'd like to see the council back building houses again? I would. I, I don't mind who builds them if they're not too expensive. So that's one of the big issues for the yes, election? It is, yes. In your book? In my book, yes. What about the politicians themselves? You don't like the way they fight with each other. Oh, no, I don't like anyone fighting at all. And they never stop. And, and I wouldn't mind at all only to have a good salary, I think. They certainly <laughs> do, Nancy. I'm not cutting myself on that, am I? You are not cutting yourself one bit. They're well paid. Yeah. Well, according to what I hear them talking about. You'd rather see them all working together? I would, yes. And not if you dispute and everything to go and get on with the work and give it out to the people that needs it. When you look, look back on your life and, and you growing up as a child and in your own family and then rearing your own children, yeah. it was a different Ireland. Everyone was in the same boat, Nancy. Yeah, that's true. It was. And if anyone had anything more than you with, with lovely neighbours, they'd share their garden produce with and whatever they had, you know. But now sure they don't do garden, some of them. Do you think we need to get back to that? Ah, well, some might and some haven't having the time to have to get out there in a few shillings. That's so true. Yeah. The pressure's on, Nancy. Yeah, I think so. Well, hopefully it'll be a bit better now, anyway. When you were growing up and when you had your children, you stayed at home. Yes. Mothers didn't go out as much them years as we do now. They hadn't education, number one to get the big jobs, you know, or to get the well-educated jobs. We just done with writing and adding up and seeing what money you had for your week's groceries. Such things as that, simple things. But now you have to be educated to get any of these jobs. The other thing is, you'd like to see mothers paid to stay at home. I would, yeah. Do you think that would make a big difference? Oh, yes, it would indeed. I don't know would people like it or not, but some like to be out meeting the people, you know. The more like to be at home. They like the money. We all like the bit of money. <laughs> in your mother's time and your time, and uh, for many, many years and many decades, it was mainly the women that stayed at home to mind and rear the children. Oh, yes, it was. There was no such thing as women going out to work around that time. They always said at home to mind the children, get the man's dinner when they come in. And he'd only eat it and out he was again, 
digging and plowing and sowing and whatever, unless he had a, a, what kind of a job would you call it, in an office or a business. Clerical workers. Cleric, sorry, I can't remember them names. Yeah, yeah, no bother. But the men who worked on the land worked hard. Oh, they did indeed. And the women helped them as well. They were great workers. Any of the women that had a bit of a garden or, you know, anything like that. They always liked to be out and doing jobs. When you think about Ireland today in 2020 going into this election and you think of your long life, do you think it's a better place today? It's hard to answer that straight. There's not so much slavery as, uh, slavery, as I call it. The women that, in my time, had to do very hard work, both inside and outside. In my young days, always helped. But now, I don't think the women would rather be in an office job or something like that. Oh, it is indeed much better altogether than my young days. But... It never bothered the people, you know, they got on and travelled about with the, whatever they could afford and such things as that. I lived as I could afford and try and keep things straightened a bit. The vote is Saturday. You're on radio with me today. What would you say to everybody about getting out to vote on Saturday? I'd say get out and vote and try and make the country what you would like to be and houses like to live, and that get more houses and proper living for people that can't afford it. Would that be any kind of an answer? That is a great answer, so it is. Tell me this, Nancy, you were born in 1913, you're 106 years young and hale and hearty and doing really well. Yes. I never was in hospital until I was in Tullamore with my hip, only getting my eyes done. That's all the hospital level I was in dying years for a day or two. But I never was in hospital with any major sickness or anything like that in my life. Never had a broken bone till I broke my hip. And you live at home there independently? Yeah, independently. And tell me, what's the secret to a long and healthy life? I don't exactly know the answer to that. Um, keep in with your neighbours and chatting and talk to them as they would with you and share if you thought there was any bit of sharing to be done to help as much as you could if you had if you had more than you needed they could help poorer people which I hope people do Lovely, they are lovely words. And just over your lifetime, is there any secrets to the foods you eat, what you drank, how you minded yourself, exercise, anything like that? Well, I didn't drink or smoke, and then I could eat anything I liked. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got after that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the secret. Avoid the tobacco and don't partake in the old fire water. Well, that was mine, but wasn't everybody's. Everybody to their own liking or doing or whatever they want. Oh, fantastic. And anyway, listen, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you this anyway, but I'm not expecting an answer. Who will you be voting for on Saturday? I have to make up my mind to hear a few more of them fighting <laughs> before I know. I'll tell you afterwards who I voted for. <laughs> You're a fantastic, fantastic lady. Thank you so much for joining me and wish you health and happiness. And you too. Thank you. God bless you.
Well, well, well. And if she tells you, you'd be the first because even her family don't know who she ever <laughs> so voted I, for. So I believe. So I believe. She's <laughs> never revealed. Nope. Never, ever, ever revealed. But my word, what a woman. Oh, she's amazing. What a woman. Mm. 107 her next birthday. We think she's probably the second oldest lady in the state. We think so, yeah. Maybe yeah, her, her, to her definitely oldest, but possibly second oldest. Possibly second, yeah. Living in County Mead. And I think oldest living independently. Yes. Mm, and her daughters. I was talking to Olive this morning. I want to say hello to her. She's a lovely, lovely lady. Her daughter, Olive, and all her family are such lovely people and wonderful people. And her grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Granddaughter all, Louise. Yeah, they brilliant. care for her so well. And uh, it's fantastic. It really is to hear her talk and give her viewpoints. And it's a, a viewpoint with a long life behind a very long life you know and I love the way she takes the time to get her nails done Jerry, mm. and her hair no listen you have to have that that is very important for, for, for the ladies especially I say and now for many of the boys as well of course <laughs> but let me throw something at you well first before I say that we had the youngest hadn't mm-hmm. we Cody we had the youngest ever Cody was with us last week and he got a polling card Cody at what Lowe. age Cody Lowe got his polling card got four <laughs> polling cards from five to the age of nine for yeah, different elections so and he technically couldn't vote but he was still the youngest yeah, and he was still are. on our show yes and he was on late lunch and there we have 106 years young Nancy Stewart today I was just doing a little bit of digging into this Nancy was born in 1913 the first general election here uh, after she was born was the 1918 election and it was still under the auspices of uh, Britain. Women couldn't, could only vote when they were 30 years of age in that 1918 election. You had wow. to be 30, a woman, and you had to have qualifications. Men could vote at 21 in 1918 with no qualifications. Wasn't that just horrendous? So you had to have qualifications being a woman. You had to be 30 years of age in 1918. Thankfully, in the first Irish Free State election, 1922, Everyone could vote at 21. Oh, great. So there we are. We were ahead of ourselves in uh, uh, 1922 when everybody could vote. But I just did a tot since. Uh, I'd say her first election she was eligible to vote in was 1937, considering she was born in 1913. So she could vote in the 1937 election. That was the first one when she was over the age. Um, Do you know how many elections since? How many? <laughs> it's the 33rd doll, yes. isn't it? But that's not counting the yeah, yeah, yeah. local elections. There have and been stuff. 24 general elections, okay. you know, from 1937. The, wor- the first one she was eligible to vote in up until the present. And we, of course, we'll have the one mm-hmm. uh, now coming on Saturday. But it's amazing, amazing how. Do we on. know when the vote was dropped to 18? Um, no, that was much later. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sure that was much later. So was it was in, in my recollection anyway when the vote went to 18. But we can yeah we we'll check that out and see when that was. So there you are. We wish her well, Nancy Stewart, mm-hmm. and it's great she's heading to the polling booth as everybody should on this Saturday and cast your vote. Use your democratic right. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Back after the break. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. We have an update on the change in voting age. When it happened was when, Louise? Uh, It was approved by a referendum on the 7th of December 1972 and signed into law on the 5th of January 1973 to lower the voting age to 18. There's been a big uh, chat about, well, we haven't heard it so much in recent times about lowering it to 16. What's your view on that? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think 
Definitely young, not. Yeah, yeah, too young. 18 is is just about right. You've covered a lot of, of elections as, as a journalist. Since when was your first one? When 1999. Was your... I got my first job and I was just thrown in at the deep end okay. a week after and into that... the local elections. Right, that was your first time. And you've covered everyone since local European general elections? Apart from 2016, because I was pregnant and due to go into labour. <laughs> 2016 was mm-hmm. the only one you missed? It's the only one I missed, yes. Which was the and last election? It was, and my daughter was born on the 9th of March uh, 2011, which was Ash Wednesday, and Fina Gale formed the government that day. But you had covered the election. No, I missed that election. Okay, so 11 was the only one you missed. Oh, sorry, 11, yeah. 2011, not 2016. No. 2011 was the election. That's the only year you missed the election. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And she was born on the day the government was formed. Mm -hmm. That was the first Fine Gael uh, government, coalition government. Yeah. I take it you had her in a blue jumpsuit <laughs> or a blue, what do you call what, what, are they, what do they wear as babies? What do, they, what do they wear as babies? What do you call them? The little... Sleeper suits. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't baby grows. Baby grow. A blue baby grow. I think she was in a, a Fine Gael. We didn't call her Leone anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the debate last night? I watched some of it. I don't mm. know. When they start shouting and roaring, I just can't handle it. I think I'm, I've election fatigue, Jerry, at this stage. Do you, you heard Nancy saying there that the arguing gets to her. And, and funny, mm-hmm. at the end, she says, well, I might have to listen to a bit more arguing before I make up my mind. I think she's been a bit coy about Nancy on that one there. But uh, the argument, look, it was a long debate. I watched it right through and there were blows struck on one another and by um, Miriam and David, of course, were their facilitators as well. And a great job they did again. Uh, but they were they were challenged. And Mary Lou, of course, that's making the headlines today and the Conor Murphy thing and that horrendous murder of the Quinlad. But... And that's going to be rectified, but it's taken a long time to rectify. But at the at the end of the day, you know what I mean? I, I want to say one thing. I was delighted that Mary Lou was there and she was able to put her point of views across. Because with what the opinion polls are saying mm-hmm. with the surge for Sinn Féin, they deserve to be in there, you know, on a, on, a, on a par with the big parties as well to make their case. And she made it very well, I have to say, last night and and held her own, more than held her own with the other two buckos there. And uh, that, that was a real positive thing to happen, that she was there and people were able to see and hear and that she partook uh, fully in it. Um, their own minds. But you know, it brings me back to this point that I think I mentioned when the women were in us last Friday for Women With Opinions. When you look across the spectrum, there are fantastic, talented people in the parties and there are some exceptionally talented people in the parties. Unfortunately, in the parties, they're exceptionally talented are not uh, numerous, do you know what I mean? In yeah, individual yeah. parties. And it's the same in every aspect, I'm sure, of life. When you look across business, sports, everything in life, it, that's a fact. That's the way it works. But look, in the interest of the country, the the best of the best from the different parties with the best policies from each. Can you imagine the type of government we'd have? I think that's a fantastic idea, Jerry. But you see, they won't because some of them are stuck in civil war politics. Others, you know, are new kids on the block. Uh, There's a fragmentation on the left hand side. And honestly, wouldn't it be better for all of us if we decided for once and set a a precedent in the world that we want to have the best of the best from Mm -hmm. across the spectrum doing the the very best for all of us in the country to solve the problems like housing, like the health service, like jobs 
and the scourge of commuting in these counties that we live in, people having to get up a cockroach and rip their children out of bed and go into Dublin to work and chase their tails to pay mortgages in houses that are overpriced. Wouldn't it just be great if we had the best of the best? I would love to see that. And it's a wish and a dream. Will it ever happen? I don't know, because people have their own little sectional interests and people, when they grab power, they don't want to let go of it. And the minions in the parties have to be looked after as well. And we are better than you and all that type of stuff. Wouldn't it be great to have a government of national unity with the best of the best? We'd love it. And we'd be a better country for it in the short, medium and long term. I know that. Anyway, late lunch, LMFM Radio. Let's head towards uh, news headlines and weather at two. And afterwards, uh, we have a lovely lady from Australia to have a chat with. She's helping after the fires back home. Nice story. That's coming up on late lunch after two. But before all that, I want to mention that you can win. I have it here. Where have I in my notes? You can win uh, an engagement ring worth a thousand euro. A thousand euro. Imagine you can win it yourself. We're going to tell you more about that in a little while. It's an association with Scotch Hall and the jewellers there and ourselves in LMFM Radio and tied in with the 29th of February Leap Year Day. Fantastic reaction to Nancy Stewart, 106 years of age, talking to us top of the show today about life and especially about voting and the general election and the issues. Um, Audrey's been on from Dundalk to say, Jerry, what a fabulous lady. Could listen to her all day. I wish her all the very best. Uh, Mary's been on from Dundalk and here's an interest one you might be able to help us with because I remember this. Jerry, what about uh, the older people who can't get to vote? Years ago, they were collected from their houses. Can you tell me what happens today when people can't get out to vote? Well, I used to be on the uh, hustings with my dad and uh, they'd have the register. Louise, do you remember this? The register and they'd see Mrs. So-and-so or or there's Jimmy down there, Mm. send the car down from the parties would send cars out to collect people to bring them to vote. Do, do they still do yeah, that? Yeah, if you contact a local councillor that they'll they'll sort it out okay, for them, I'm so, sure. So there you are, Mary. If you contact a candidate or a local councillor in your area who's linked to one of the election candidates, they will sort it. But Louise They want the, a vote. The, the parties used to be, you know, assuming well, they had great knowledge then <laughs> of who were FF and who were FG and the other crowd, well what about them? You know what I mean? That's the way it was when I was on the hustings with my dad and an election. You remember the the tables out in front of the the voting stations as you went in and they were putting stickers on your yeah, shorts yeah. and hand- you can't do that anymore. No, not That's gone. They consider it to be intimidation. I think it was <laughs> part and parcel of the Irish voting system just like PR is and the way we count votes for six days after the vote is finished. You know, it was all part of that culture but sure, everything's disappearing but they didn't get the machines in to count the votes. That's for sure. But uh, anyway, Mary, I, uh, I go down on a ride. I go another road there with that one. C- contact the local parties. Jerry, Nancy Stewart is an amazing lady for her age. She is talking the truth. Uh, everyone should get out and vote. Uh, I've got my polling card. I'll be going out as well from another list. What a fantastic lady, says Danish Liz from At Boy. Do you remember Danish Liz? Yeah, is she home? I wonder if she's back in At Boy. Is she listening to us in Denmark? Let us know, Liz. Anyway, Liz has been on to say, what a fantastic lady. 106 years old. She is so right. Why can't the parties work together for this country instead of fighting and blaming each other for everything? I think a lot of people, Liz, would echo your view there. Keep the comments coming to us. 086 1800 658 Jerry, by WhatsApp a, or text. A lady in WhatsApp, maybe, I don't know, but she says, just wondering, Jerry, my my daughter just turned 19 there in January, but she missed the deadline last week for registering. 
So is she too late? I think she is. Is she, she is. Jerry? Yeah. Sadly, if you missed the deadline, you may just get registered for the, the next, next one. one. Could have another one within six months. <laughs> She'll yeah, never know the that. way this pans out. Listen, well, there's going to be more fun in games when the votes are cast and they're tallied. I promise you that. It ain't going to be easy to form a government unless, well, we'll leave unless until uh, another time. Anyway, moving on on the show, there is a lady from Sydney who has been living in Trim for nearly 20 years. And my word, she must be just crestfallen at what she's been watching uh, on television and in the news from back home in Australia with those raging fires, the devastation it's caused, the loss of life and the wipeout of many aspects of flora and fauna and animals in our native land. Well, she's on the line with me now to have a chat. Pauline Dwyer, welcome to Late Lunch. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks for having me. Ah, listen, I'm delighted to have you. You haven't got the old trim blast anyway, have you? <laughs> little bit, little bit. <laughs> anyway, you're hanging on. I love the Australian accent, I have to say. It's absolutely beautiful. It's charming. L- let me begin by asking you, just uh, first of all, 20 years in trim, what, what took you here? A man. <laughs> <laughs> Why did the girls always answer with that to me? An Irish man took you to trim. An Irish man took me to trim and I fell in love with the place and I stayed. So. Ah, good on you. And you are <laughs> from Sydney. I'm right there. Yes, you are Sydney, uh, lass. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, what, this time, as I mentioned there, it must be very frustrating, uh, emotional, you name it, the gambit of as you sit here and watch the images. Oh, it's absolutely devastating, absolutely devastating. I mean, you know, it's just horrendous to see, you know, just the people's livelihoods and the the animals and what it's, you know, the devastation that's happened is just horrendous to watch, you know, mm. especially when you're so far away mm. and you can't really do a lot, you know. Yeah. You have family back there. I'm sure you're in touch and you're getting a, a, a bird's eye view, first-hand view of what's been happening. Yeah, well, there's, um, you know, obviously you keep in contact um, with, you know, obviously family and friends to make sure that they're safe, first of all, you know. And, um, you know, there's been a few little scary moments, but um, thankfully no one has been lost their houses or anything that I know of, you know. Yes. So, um, but, you know, there's always someone that knows someone that has been devastated, mm. you know, mm. firsthand. So it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's ferocious. Is it settling a bit? Maybe it's just that we're concerned with election. She can't put on anything here, or read yeah, anything, or listen to anything, but the yeah. blimmin election. It, it, is it easing back? It's It, it has. Um, it's still going. It's still going. Um, it's just not front headline, you know, headlines now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like you said, the elections and, yes. you know, everything's going on. But it's still it's still burning away. It's not as ravishing as it was, mm. so thankfully. But um, it's still, uh, yeah, it's still going on, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and you know, we don't ever wish, you know, living here and living out there, you don't wish for winter, but I'm sure in Australia, uh, the sooner, you know, the weather turns to a cooler with some more moisture and that in places, the better for all concerned. Yeah. Yeah, well, they still have another couple of months of they summer do. to go. They do, so, yeah, they do. Yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get to the point of this conversation today. <laughs> the, the, the bushfire pouch appeal, please explain. Okay, um, well, I was actually on um, Facebook and um, on my news feed, um, I'm a, um, a friend of, it's called the Animal Rescue Collective Craft Guild, and um, they just popped up with, you know, what they needed for the injured and burnt and orphaned animals. And um, so I thought I will 
take on like a two-day project and perhaps I could get TYs in our local school, in school we're in trim, um, to sort of help me out since they've got all the machines and things like that. And so I rang a friend of mine who is a teacher in school where Monica Farrell and um, she's, I sort of just said to her, you know, can I get this into the school or would it be able, you know, would I be able to? She said, leave it with me and she'll see what she can do. And um, so we're in communication for a few days and uh, she came back to me saying that I couldn't actually go into the school purely because of the Garda vetting situation, but um, she arranged all the some teachers to get on board and all the kids and so my project to um, sew these pouches for these um, injured animals have become a lot bigger than expected so um, it was it's fabulous mm, it really has taken off I believe even grannies were recruited in the Meath area to get working on this project yeah. for you <laughs> yes um, the pouches they um, consist of an inner and an outer, and the outer um, was usually knitted. And um, so we, um, I sort of just contacted a few of the, um, you know, the trim, you know, places and Navin, yeah. you know, all different places. And um, a few of them just got together and they sort of whipped me up a few little bags and things like that. So um, yeah, so it was it was a great community and. You know, it was a great community spirit. It was just fabulous how everyone just got on board. And like I said, this two-day project that I thought I could sort of just maybe do, you know, 50 of them sort of as a joint thing um, became, you know, just so fantastically big, you know. Mm. And and uh, we say again, well done to Monica Farrell uh, in mm. the school and school where and everybody associated. Just explain what the pouches are. What What's their function? What do they do? Okay, so if you think of it like um, a small sleeping bag, so, um, you know, if the um, animals have been burnt, badly burnt, it's sort of like a little recovery pouch. So the inner inner side would have to be complete um, 100% cotton. So, you know, it wouldn't stick to their fur or their, you know, their skin and mm. things like that. And, um, and then there's also um, little what they're called bat wraps. So for the orphaned little bats, it was like a little baby pillow with a little blanket wrapped around them to sort of mimic their mummies. So, you know, they had sort of like like comfort. So, um, you know, and then, you know, there's like, like I said, the, the bags that we specifically made was um, just for the um, security blankets and the, you know, the joey pouches and things like that. So it's like a, a big U-shape. Okay. Okay. To sort of describe it like that. And animals who've been rescued spend time in these, and it uh, facilitates and enables their recovery. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. How many have you been produced? You said you had a small number in mind yourself. Where has it ended up, or is it still running in terms of numbers? Yeah. Well, um, I went to the school and um, I collected everything that we had last week, and our first box has left with approximately 1995 pouches in um, and I'm putting together another big box for, with about the same amount I'd say. Fantastic so this is yeah. a really significant effort on behalf of everybody concerned and where are you sending them are you sending them to an animal charity in uh, Sydney? Yes it's um, it's what they call a hub um, and um, they've got quite a few scattered around Australia so you sort of basically pick one and whatever they don't need, they distribute 
to other hubs around. Yes. So, um, yeah, at the moment, we, we sent our first box to New South Wales in Australia, so into Sydney, basically. Brilliant, brilliant. Mm. So uh, this really has caught the imagination. And I'm sure, like, as you said, you, you sit here on this side helpless and what can we do? It's so far away. How can we help? But this is a practical little step, isn't it, for nature that's taken an absolute hammering right across the areas that have been dev- devastated by the fires? Well, absolutely. I mean, and the global help alone, as well as just here in Ireland, you know, like Germany, UK, Finland, the US, all of those countries have just gathered together and it's just been phenomenal what, you know, like you said, it's such a small, you know, little thing to do, but it has got such a great impact on the other side, you know, when everyone gets together and does their small part, you know. Mm, And they understand that around this world, we are all one big family of different colours, races, nationalities, but we are the human race and we all care and should care about each other. It's a great wee story and well done to you and well done again to Skullwira and Trim and all involved. Um, You know, this is a a magnificent gesture. It really is. Um, Maybe you've started something. (laughs) Yes, perhaps. Yes, I I, I see by extension more happening here. But look, uh, thank you for joining us on the show today. I really do appreciate it and I'm Uh, delighted to highlight, highlight this for you. Thanks, Pauline. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye bye. Take care of yourself. That's Pauline Dwyer, uh, 20 years uh, living in Trim from Sydney in Australia. And if you want to read more about that story, Sally Harding has it in this week's Mead Chronicle, Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. I got a call, didn't I, Louise, the other day upstairs? I picked you up did. your phone. Yeah, I don't know where I went. Uh, <laughs> I was dossing again, yeah. was it, Jerry? You never doss. Anyway. <laughs> I'm honest, she, she never does. She's always working, uh, night, noon mm. and morning. I know that as well. <laughs> but look, I did seriously picked up your phone and the next thing, on the end of the phone, there was somebody talking to me about Amazon and, and a real sort of computerised voice. Do you know what I mean? Pre-programmed mm. thing. I just hung up. I didn't listen, listen for a bit, hung up. But it's uh, another of these phone scams. There's many of them knocking about to talk about it. Joining us next, Sergeant Dean Cairns, Meath, Crime Prevention Officer. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Play responsibly, play for fun, remember always, and that is not a scam. That is genuine. That is the jackpot this Friday for Euro Millions. But there are many scams about. I mentioned a moment ago lifting Louise's phone the other day, and there was Amazon Prime. He's the genuine article, I promise you as well. It's Dean Cairns, me, the Crime Prevention Officer. Sergeant Dean Cairns is on the line. Dean, good afternoon. Hi, Jerry. How are you keeping? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Dean, I know you've been hearing about a number of different scams. Uh, the Amazon one, have you, have, you, have, you, have you had that one before? Yeah, look, we got a call from one of the guards in Trim uh, earlier on, late this, afternoon, late this morning, to say that they were inundated with calls uh, pretending to be from Amazon Prime looking for bank details. So that's why we just put a, a little uh, post on the, the Meat Crime Prevention Facebook just to let people in that area. But looking at the comments, and it's already out to nearly 25,000 people, but it looks as if those type of Amazon Prime calls are right across the county. 
uh, whatever, wherever they're getting their numbers from. But that seems to be the topic of the day at the moment from Amazon Prime, unfortunately. Mm. And that one came right through our system here into a direct dial phone on Louise's desk. So obviously, you know, they're able to get right in there. I listened for a minute and hung up. Dean, just before we talk about the others, are people still caught out by this or has the penny not dropped at this stage? Yeah, you know, sometimes people, you, you would assume that they shouldn't get caught out, but sometimes the people making the phone call, they can be very, very convincing. And if you were doing some sort of business just on a once-off, you know, you might you might suspect, God, maybe I do have to do something and maybe... Maybe I am, or I've left something out. Especially if you're not a new, if you're if you're a new user to mm. online shopping. But look, unfortunately, people are getting caught out because I suppose if they were getting caught out, these scammers wouldn't be operating uh, as busy as they are right across the country. So they're obviously they are getting some success. You know, we know that from complaints into ourselves right through the county. You know. Bank of Ireland, this is another one that has come up here in the, since the turn of the year, uh, sending you a message saying, well, supposedly from Bank of Ireland, that your account has been blocked and asking you to click on the link. Yeah, you see, that's the big thing we would strongly recommend people don't do is that I, I was even talking to another business person there who got a, a notification that they were receiving a postal parcel from on post. And they also had to click on the link. But once you clicked on the link, that's nearly opening up uh, the, the details, get almost like a backdoor into your accounts. And this woman nearly lost a couple of thousand euros as a result of clicking onto the link because she had already had entered some details, you know, which she knew she shouldn't have done at the time. But clicking on links, you know, that's, you know, we would strongly recommend you don't do that at all. You know, there's other ways and means to try and find out if, if, if you have a problem. But certainly... Anybody looking for bank details nowadays, uh, by a phone call or otherwise, like none of the, there's no business doing that. There's none of the banks, yeah. none of the financial institutes. It just doesn't happen, you know, but people are getting caught out, unfortunately. You know, when your phone rings, and I never knew so many people in Africa actually knew me. I'm, I'm amazed at this, <laughs> to be honest with you. But when I see this coming up on my phone, I generally just hit the red button or hang up. It's, it, it's bad news, really, Dean, isn't it, to answer those or call back any unknown number like that? Yeah, I, I would certainly wouldn't be recommending calling back numbers anyway. You know, yeah. as I say, if it's an important caller, they'll call back. But answering strange or unusual phone, telephone calls nowadays, I don't do it myself. Uh, I just, I, I kill the phone call because I know there's a good chance because of all the publicity that's around there. But not everybody understands that. They just click the phone automatically because sometimes if they're on a Bluetooth in the phone, <clears throat> you know, they would just mm-hmm. press the, the, the answer button, you know, which can happen. So it's easy to say it, but it's just, sometimes it's just not practically because people work on Bluetooth and earpieces and everything as well, you know, but ideally you'd want to be able to see in the phone call. And if in doubt, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be answering them at all, you know. Text from the Revenue Commissioners. The Revenue don't text you, Dean. That needs to be said, doesn't it? Yeah, they don't. Look at the revenue, the guards, the social welfare, you know, the post office. None of these uh, official state bodies will ever, ever ring, text, email you looking for your bank details. They just simply do not do that. Uh, and even we've heard different ones in the past coming from our own and Garda Siakona. I mean, they are simply don't do it either, you know. So anybody that gets a request from any anybody in any shape or form looking for bank details, <clears throat> you know, simply... It, treated as a, as a fraud straight away. 
And again, to say, Dean, uh, like this is an old chestnut at this stage, but when you've been told you've inherited millions or billions from somebody else in another part of the world, they're too good to be true. Ah, let's say the Spanish lottery has been doing the rounds for (laughs) quite a number of years now. I think that must be on the go 20 years. But it's still, but you know what it is? There's people still getting caught out because they just think this one time. I mean, you can imagine if if there was a lottery winner here on Friday, you know, how the scammers will try and take advantage of that. I mean, I'm quite sure they're already thinking of ways and means to try and come up with an idea to get to remove people of some of their cash. That's, Mm. That's how they operate, you know. Yeah, well, look, we just want to have a quick chat with you today to, again, warn people, do tread carefully, don't be taken in and keep them at arm's length. Dean, thank you as usual for taking our call. No problem. Thanks a million. That's Sergeant Dean Cairns there, Mead Crime Prevention Officer. Yes, and remember, there are social media Facebook scams as well. Have you ever been scammed, Louise? Have you, can you say, were you ever scammed? Nope. Never. I almost was though I got one of those phone calls from yes. you know, and I rang I did answer and then I completely panicked and then I hung up and I reported it to the mm. I don't know whoever I was with the phone provider or whatever but I did panic but I was fine yeah I, I nothing to take I, thank anyway. god I haven't I touch wood that it hasn't happened me in an online mm. I, I, I've been scammed in other ways I'll talk about that again was a, <laughs> we haven't time today have a great story go on there was a chap down the country um, earlier this year a young lad and he's actually scammed a scammer they wrote to him and says, oh, you have millions or yes. whatever. And he said, well, look, I'd love to invest in your business, but you have to put 20 euro in my account for my bank account, my bank manager to see that it's authentic. Yes. So he did. Your man put 20 pound or euro in his bank account. <laughs> he says, thanks a million. I'll give this to charity. Good luck. <laughs> well done great. to him. I remember years ago when Deirdre was here, Deirdre Harley, and a uh, call came through up to the office from a fella telling me he was in Lagos Airport and he had nothing and he had to catch this next flight and could I help him? I said, how much are you looking for? Mm-hmm. A thousand, he said to me. And I said, it'll be in your account in 10 minutes. Good man. God bless you. <laughs> and I hung off the phone. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. You have to be just a little bit on your guard. Anyway, Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. We continue our series on Late Lunch in 2020. Let's talk business in association with Drogheda Chamber. And joining me today, he's a regular with us. He wears that many hats. He was telling me during the week he's getting lost at this stage. Brendan Casey is here from The Mill. You're welcome back. New Year. Thanks, Brendan, Thanks for joining much. us Happy again, Brendan. Same to you. And today we're joined by Mark Riley, who's co-founder of Afix Software. Mark, you're so welcome to the show. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Well... Let's begin at the begin. Tell us a little bit about your background before you came to Apex. And of course, you co-founded this business with Graham O'Rourke. Sure. Um, okay, well, background on me first, fair enough. Um, so I'll start with the fact that I'm a college dropout, which is always nice to start with, um, which is a, a fairly normal story for someone working in tech. Uh, I did go to Maynooth, had some fun times there over two years. But um, during that time, I met Graham, my co-founder, where he came up with this idea that we could help B2B companies sell smarter. And I'll kind of explain what that means. But um, I suppose when that happened, I saw a great opportunity for me to be able to work locally in Drada, which is what I wanted to do. I didn't want to have to commute up to Dublin. Commuting to Maynooth was always fun. Getting up at 4am in the morning to catch on a bus, two odd hours down, two odd hours back for two odd hours of lectures wasn't the best way to spend a day. Didn't fancy doing that. Um, going to Dublin every day or going further afield. Didn't fancy leaving Drada either to move out of here. Somewhat thankfully for that now, given the housing crisis and renting crisis and everything else that's going on in the country. Um, so when I suppose when I got started, um, my own background is I am a developer. So 
normally I'm in a darkened room developing things. Um, <laughs> well, the best ideas always begin, Mark. But exactly. just, just I want to stop, just hold you yeah. there for a second. Hold that thought for a moment. You, you dropped out. I think you were studying this at college. Yeah, I was studying computer science. So um, the, the leaving cert, how that went, five points short from going into um, computer science and software engineering in Maynooth, which was the only thing I wanted to do at the time. Heartbreaking. Happens to a lot of people. Um, went to Diffie for a year. Spent a great time there. Um, best thing I ever learned was spreadsheets. Um, from there, that got me into Maynooth. Um, all going well, all going good. But um, this opportunity came up. Um, I kind of had the skills somewhat there because I was working in the industry already, developing websites, doing different things like yes. that. Um, and from that, the, the the idea came up. Myself and Graham sat at a whiteboard. I came up with this, what the solution is. Still standing up today. Um, the whole model is still working. Um, that's kind of got the started. rest is history. But yeah. isn't there really a, a salutary lesson in that, in a way? What year did you go to? How, how far were you away from completing? Ooh, um, I was two years away. So it was a four-year course. I was two years in. Okay. Yeah. And it would have taken a long more to... Graduate. Uh, it would have been another two years. Two more years. Yeah. Will you ever complete that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the $64 million question. Why would you when you have a wonderful business that's thriving and yeah. growing by the new time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of discount getting a degree or anything because that's all fine. A lot of people want to do it. A lot of people find a lot of comfort in doing that. If, you know, heaven forbid you want to emigrate and go somewhere else, you need it to get certain visas and things like that. Um, but, you know, for me, it, it wasn't my path. So, you and Graham come together. Now, you mentioned, you better explain, we yeah. all know what business uh, B2C is, yeah. which is business to the consumer. And so we're all involved in that every minute of the day, buying online, dealing with businesses. Mm-hmm. But funny enough, B2B, business to business, mm-hmm. hasn't really developed to the same degree yet. Mm. Why? So- it's it's definitely growing faster yes. than the B2C stuff is, which is nice. Yeah. Largely because the, the volumes that you'd be ordering are much bigger. Okay. But the, the general principle is you're, you're a business selling to another business. So one of the companies that we got started with was Quality Tractor Parts, based in Mullingar, selling tractor parts. Not a very glamorous thing, but a fairly significant outfit that they have. Um, at the moment now, they run their entire business through our platform. What they were doing before was, if you imagine they're selling tractor parts, they're technical goods that you need to know to be able to say, well, if this tractor has broken down, these are the spare parts that you need. Um, they had a wealth of knowledge within the company that they were then selling to more local providers who'd be selling the parts on to anyone kind of doing those repairs. Um, and for them to be able to scale their business, they needed to look outside of Ireland, which is what most companies need to do, including us. Um, and their initial way of approaching that was to get more people on the phones, which is expensive, um, which requires an awful lot more training because of all the technical goods that they're selling. Um, and when someone is sitting there on the phone just trying to place together an order to figure out, okay, these are the spare parts that you need, um, they're not out looking for new customers. So they're not really scaling their business. Yes. They're just selling to existing customers. So you're, wh- where do you come into this? Where is Afix? So if we take the, the exact same yes. example, right? Um, what they were doing uh, to sell to Australia on the other side of the planet is that they used to have people coming in, sitting at a desk, phoning Australia in the middle of the night because of the time difference. What they do now is when they find a customer, they'll onboard them onto their web shop, um, which is where they sign in. And when they sign in, they can place an order, which they then receive. Um, So overnight, they'll get 100 orders through from Australia and they'll go through. 
the the critical thing for what we do is because if you imagine uh, a big B2B company, they'll have an IT system that already runs their accounts, already runs their stock management system, does all the, the kind of the lifeblood of the actual business runs through a system already. They might be using that for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Um, they don't want to move away from that because that is a massive risk. So what we do is integrate with it. So when someone signs in, they're seeing the information that comes from that accountancy system. So if I'm a customer with you and I've been a customer with you for the past 10 years, if you're using our system, when you sign in online, you're seeing the order history that you placed from 10 years ago. You can go back that far. You can pull out all those invoices. And the bigger thing about it all um, is because B2B is so price sensitive, you're getting the same price that you get over the phone. So one of the the kind of killer things about B2C versus B2B is the price difference depending on the customer that you are. Pricing can get super, super complicated. Mm. Yeah, Um, It's already managed in that that IT system, that ERP system. So what we do is leverage all the information, take it out and make all that work. So you make the link as well between the buyer in a business sense and the customer in a business sense as well. Exactly. And you make that bridge between the two. So regardless of what system I have or what IT configuration or what I run it, you can link me with different systems around the world in Pretty different much. countries. Yeah, I mean, so that, that's the simple case of it. The more, yes. the, the more advanced case of it, we've got uh, customers who sell to like really large companies like Facebook, Autodesk, um, really, really large companies like that who have a buying team, who have their own system for purchasing things. And we can be that seamless bit in the middle so that when someone in Facebook literally says, I want a mouse, that will run through our system, go to the supplier for the mouse. It can be picked and shipped and the invoice can all flow straight back to the guys in Facebook. Terrific. And I see as well, you know, when you have telesales as well and, you know, you're trying to deal with the different time zones in the world, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. when you, your yeah. guys are involved. Yeah. And like the, the thing about buying online is that what, what customers, whether you're, you're in retail or you're in business to business, what they want to be able to do is make their own informed decision about what they're buying. So the more information you can give to someone that you can make accessible to someone, the easier it's going to be for them to actually buy it. Picking up the phone is a barrier to getting that information because now someone has a job to go and talk to someone else to try and find out the information, which they may or may not know depending on how good the training and everything else that goes around it. But if you build a proper digital catalogue, which is what we enable you to do, link it with all that critical information about pricing and stock information and everything else, that takes down a whole load of those barriers. And you guys develop this yourselves? We do. There's 27 of us sitting in an office in, in the mill, as Brendan was saying, which has been absolutely fantastic for us. Uh, we have five open roles at the moment. So if you want to come and look for us, we're Afix Software, A-P-H-I-X software.com. Um, we'll be at the Jobs Expo on the 13th of February. Come and meet us. Those jobs that we have are across development from front end, back end. Uh, we have sales positions. We've got uh, customer success positions. So if you really like engaging with a customer, figuring out what those requirements are, getting into the down and dirty about what that pricing configuration and stuff is, what's the best way to configure that catalogue, um, we've got open positions. We want to hire more people. <laughs> This is a dream today for me, you coming here, because we've been talking in the context of the election coming up mm-hmm. and in the uh, northeast counties, Louthan Mead and this commute. You mentioned it yourself, the college there. You know, you were a student at the time. Mm-hmm. We were talking here last week about people pulling children out of bed, little small children, babies at four and five in the morning to take them. Now, it's a childcare issue as well, mm-hmm. but to commute. Here's a chance if you live in the northeast. Mm-hmm to have these jobs right in your doorstep. Brendan, isn't that the uh, whole reason for the mill? Isn't this just a, a great story from your perspective? It's a great story, Jerry. And, you know, it's also quality jobs. You know, it's well-paid jobs. It's technical jobs. Um, 
you know, there was a wide variety of jobs there, as you said, from sales to developer. Um, and that's something that we probably didn't have access to in Drogheda. And it's something, obviously, one of the reasons the mill was set up. We want more of these technology-driven companies that can scale up. Um, Mark mentioned of 27 employees. Uh, the majority are in the mill, but there's a couple overseas as well. Mm. And, you know, if we can get, you know, five or six more AFIXs coming through the mill, staying in the Drogheda region, you know, that's a massive achievement. And uh, hopefully some of those highly skilled people that are commuting to Dublin uh, can be attracted. Uh, it's You know, it's a competitive marketplace that Mark is in and uh, for recruitment, um, but also I think, you know, even just getting your name out there, there's probably a lot of people that wouldn't be familiar with AFIX. As I said, yes. it's B2B, so it's not something that they're engaging yeah, with day yeah, to day. Yeah. Uh, but I can see the quality of the people coming through. I can see the jobs there, uh, and it, it's fantastic to see. We yeah. have people listening in offices in the city today to us. Mm. I know this, and online, and on the apps, and everything. And if, if you are... Here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity in the Northeast and a number of opportunities. I'm going to come to him in a minute, but mm. before I do and before I take a break, I want to ask you this. You've been very successful in the mill and look at these guys. Are One example that you have there, 27, and there's more jobs on the line. You should be bursting at the seams. You're going to put them on the roof. <laughs> what are you going to do down there? But it, brings, yeah. it begs a bigger question, yeah. you know, of you know, the availability of land and premises to allow AFIX move and stay in the area. Yeah, it's a it's a massive issue. I mean, there is some property in Drogheda, um, but I, I suppose the you know the benefit from the mill was that you know people can move in fairly easily. You know, it's it's a it's a reasonably low cost model where they can access different supports as well. Yes. Uh, so it is something we're looking at, Jerry. In the mill, you know, we have one of our main strategies uh, this year is to look at a town centre property uh, for the mill. Okay. So we do actually see that and we see that fitting into the regeneration of Drogheda as well. Um, so it, it's something we're actively looking at. Uh, Great to hear, Brendan. It really is. Featuring AFIX Software on late launch this afternoon. They're a real success story based in the mill in Drogheda. The co-founder Mark Riley is with me and from the mill Brendan Casey uh, Mark I'll come back I know I did throw the question a moment ago to Brendan but to yourself you know you are have been very successful and you are growing and you are outgrowing the mill let's be honest about this the challenge there for you for you guys yes. I take it you want to stay in the northeast. absolutely I want to stay in Drogheda I mean, okay. part of my motivation for um, starting the company, apart from it being a fantastic idea that Graham came up with, is that it was an opportunity for me to stay in Drada, right? Well, I've managed to, between myself and Graham, there's 25 people that we employ. We want that to grow. We want that to stay as much as we possibly can. Um, we sell into the UK, so we have like two salespeople over there. But everything else we want to keep within Drada, right? Um, the, I mean, if you, if you st- go back to the very start from where we started... Um, we rented uh, a desk in someone else's office because the mill was full at, at the time. It had just opened and it was already full. Um, so we were occupying someone else's desk uh, in the middle of town or someone else's office in the middle of town. From there, we moved up to a site just beside uh, Millmount, which is a building that's over 200 years old and happens to be where my uh, granddad was born. Ah, right? lovely, lovely story. It was, yeah. Um and then uh, we, we very quickly outgrew that. We were all packed into desks on top of there. Um, and thankfully, the second phase of the mill opened and they took us in. Um, and now we're outgrowing there. And we are struggling to figure out where on earth are we going to go, 
right? Um, because the, the office space that's within the town, it's very good if you've got two or three people, or it's very good if you've got 60 or plus people. We're in this very awkward phase in the middle, right? Um, where it's not that we're outgrowing our welcome in the middle at all, but it's it's equally not as fair for us to, to occupy so much space for the whole time, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it's that, that's been the case since we got started six years ago, right? Um, and I know it's the point that Brendan raises regularly. It's the point that my co-founder raises regularly and everything else. Where are we going to go? I don't know, but we need to find a home somewhere. It probably means splitting up the team. But myself and Graham are fairly committed to anchoring ourselves within Drogheda, whatever way we can. Mm. So, again, it's uh, part of uh, what's going on at the minute in terms of the looking at the whole infrastructure and mm-hmm. uh, the business environment around here and what's available and what can be made readily available. And that's uh, uh, one to watch uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, weeks and months ahead and one that is crucial for the development mm-hmm. of the area and businesses in the area. How long are you in operation? When did you set this up? Many years ago? I think uh, we, we turned five last November officially, but before right. that, there was probably six or eight months of kind of R&D work that we were doing in the background before yes. then. So progress has been rapid. And then suddenly, you know, from two years with an idea, you suddenly have to become a HR manager. Mm-hmm. You have payroll, you have all else that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. What about that aspect of business, despite, uh, allied to and running parallel with your definite skills and talent and yeah. the business you have? So... For us, we got an awful lot of support from the very start, which is really good. Um, I mean, uh, the, the Irish Young Entrepreneur of the Year yes. competition um, was something that I had entered and we got into the top three on that. Um, that provided an awful lot of support for us along the way too. Um, so there was mentors that were assigned to you. There was kind of a boot camp thing that went on it. Um, now there's an awful lot of stuff that happens within the mill as well around start your own business. Mm. Um, so th- there's an awful lot of support from that side to be able to get you to grips with what on earth you need to do. Um, at 27 people, we're still quite small, so yeah. we don't have a dedicated HR manager. Mm. Um, we have a lot of people who are really passionate about what they do. All the guys back in the office are listening, so hello, everyone. Um, and they all really love the company. We all really love what we do. It gets massively stressful a lot of the time. We have a lot of very demanding customers who want an awful lot of things done yesterday. Um, but everyone really just kind of pulls together behind all of that. Okay, you know? and, and that's a key part, to have that passion among mm-hmm. the people who work for you and the commitment and dedication, all of them want, wanting to make it happen mm-hmm. as well. Um, how big can this be? <laughs> how big can this be? Well, I, okay, one of the things that we thought when we started this was that um, between Ireland and the UK, we, we found a, a big gap. Right in terms of what we do and, and how we do it, yeah, because um, a lot of people talk about just online e-commerce and think of it as being this simple thing. It's not when it comes to B two B. So we are a specialist in that area and we are very good at what we do in that area. Um, recently, Graham's been traveling uh, to the US and looking at stuff over there. Not because we're thinking of doing anything serious at the moment. But it turns out they have a bigger gap over there for this type of stuff, which is really great for us. We have customers as far as Australia and New Zealand, not because we went looking for them, but because they came to us needing yes. a solution. Um, so the potential for this is is really, really massive because there's, there's no particular industry leader in the B2B sense for doing this. It's not like if you, if you take Shopify as being an online e-commerce solution, right? Um, it's just retail. Right, they've got the Shopify Plus thing, and it's fine if you're just doing single price retail stuff, and you don't have any like you don't have an existing warehouse full of gear, right? With an existing set of customers who've been with you for ten years, yeah. Um, that's that's our sweet spot right there. Um, and there are, there's an awful lot of companies out there that that really need it. 
this gets better as the, <laughs> the, the conversation evolves. Here's the thing. What you have is unique to yourselves. There's nobody else doing this. And- There's no one else doing what we do, how we do it. Right. Okay. So what we look at um, is across the sales experience for B2B companies. So it's not just online e-commerce sites that we do. So if you go to a local web developer and you say to them, hey, I have a warehouse full of gear. I have this IT system. Make it work. Right. Um, that's where this idea came from. That process is slow. It's expensive. And at the very end of it, the, the critical thing that they get wrong is that you now own that piece of software that you got built by that developer. We take the responsibility of that. So we're the ones who still manage all of the infrastructure behind it, manage all the software behind it. It's a platform that we build on from that front. And then on top of that, we also look at, well, what are the other sales experiences that you've got? So I talked about the, the Facebook case where literally in Dublin right now, they're pressing a button to say, I want a mouse and it flows through our system. Um, we've also got app solutions from that front as well. So that reps who are out on the road, have that entire catalog. They can see everything that happens back in the office. They don't have to carry around a, a clunky tablet with them with a VPN and doing all this IT mad stuff. Um, We look at that whole sales experience and figure out how can we make that as streamlined as possible, as easy as possible, as practical as possible. Um, And we build all of that off one platform. We build it all with our developers sitting in the office in Drada. Um, And the, the nice thing about it is that because of the way in which we've architected it, we can be quite flexible on it. So whether it's uh, you know, tractor parts that I gave the example of for the guys in Mullingar. Asahi Beer are also a customer of ours from the UK. Um, so their distributors log on and literally order a container load of beer and do all their keg returns and all the pallet returns and everything else that go along with that all flows through that same platform. You're sitting there, obviously knowing so much about this yourself, Brendan, but it, 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 it's a wonderful good news story in, in five years and where they are and the American market when I think about it don't have to remind you about that the, the potential and size there yeah and as, as I said you know Mark makes it sound easy but it, it's not an easy of thing course. to do yeah. um, and uh, I see the guys and I see the talent amongst them and I've, I've seen you know the multinational workforce there you know from locals to people who've moved here in the past um, and I've seen them you know attracting attracting people to Drogheda uh, sometimes it's not that easy to get the skill set in Drogheda yes, yes. even though it's there and that's the real issue you know so it's it's great to be here and to be able to talk about that these jobs are available locally mm. um, you know so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you know the next five years if they get anything of like course. the last five years for AFIX of course uh, it's going to be great so mm. when he moves he'll free up desks and seats and everything for the next he will, yes. So hopefully, hopefully <laughs> it won't be a headache them, for me. No, we're way, not kicking them out. They're, no. listening, they're all listening down there. No, you're not being kicked out. Relax, calm, yeah. calm the jets. No, we, jets. we work closely with all the yes, millers because yeah, yeah. It, that's the nature of our business. You know, at some stage, they're all going to move on at some stage. Yeah. But whether that's one year or five years, it uh, really depends, you know, on how much support they need, how much support we can give them, um, and obviously their own uh, plans as well. So, mm. it, um, Just before we finish, roughly in, in in uh, top-line terms, how many customers would you be dealing with? Uh, we've got over 250 at the moment. Wow, all around the world. Yeah. And that can grow, but you need the staff Correct. to grow that. So yep. this is the... Yeah, I see, I see. So that has to happen to allow you service more customers in the fashion, I'm sure, that you want. Exactly, yes. yeah. And that's, I think, Brendan's kind of hitting the point as well about attracting the talent in and stuff like that. We know that there's a train load of people who leave Drada every morning. We know that the government has promised that the dart is coming to Drada. That's another way out, right? I mean, there are so many talented people who leave every single morning to go to Dublin 
waste all that time sitting on a train, sitting on a bus, doing whatever, when you could have, for myself and a lot of people in the office, a walk to work that's shorter than a walk to a bus stop? Shove the dart. (laughs) Shove the dart. It's the easy way out. It's the simple way out. And then say, well, we've connected you to Dublin and it's, it's better for commuting. Create the jobs here. Build the space for the businesses. Get the jobs out into the commuter belt. That's the message and that's the real message. Thank you so much for joining me today. Brendan, thank you so much for bringing us uh, these businesses and these people to feature. We love it. And to you, Mark Riley, co-founder of AFIX Software and Graham O'Rourke, of course. We mentioned Graham today, your co-founder. And all the people listening in down there today, congratulations to you all. It's a wonderful story. Continued success for the future. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks very much. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. What would you do with the Euro Millions jackpot, 130 uh, million euro? What would you do with it? I wouldn't be here to tell you, Jerry. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> You'd be on the dust end for sure. <laughs> I would, Jake. And answer all the phones you like. <laughs> I, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. That's, I'm putting the clause in today. Now, if okay. you win, it's split. And if I win, it's split. Okay. okay? Now, that's, that's May the clause. May not be in nothing it. but music here tomorrow. <laughs> 137, 130 million. 130 million. Uh, this Friday, uh, the Euro Millions Lotto is. And to celebrate, we're giving you uh, a chance to win cash on lmfm.ie and Instagram. So check us out there. You could win cash with this big jackpot coming down the tracks on Friday and remember to play responsibly and always just play for fun but you know what Louise if it doesn't happen to be you for that jackpot mm. we have another great one yes LMFM have teamed up with Scotch Hall Shopping Centre to give you all to give all of you leap year lovebirds out there the chance to win an engagement ring worth a thousand euro thanks to Boyne Jewellers and you'll also win an overnight stay and romantic meal for two in the D Hotel all you have to do to be in a chance to win is propose to your loved one on the De Lacey Bridge at Scotch Hall Shopping Centre on Saturday the 29th of February, Leap Year Day, between 1 and 2. For more details, check out lmfm.ie and scotchhall.ie. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, you know that 29th thing, Louise? Mm-hmm. Is it for women to propose to men? Traditionally, yeah. But it can be the other way around. Oh, yes. Men to women on yeah. the 29th as well. But both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men to men, women to women. <laughs> what it. am I talking about? Where have you been? It's not 1920, it's 2020 <laughs> in this country. <laughs> Get your act together. Anyway, we have a few comments there, I believe, to uh, l- read out this afternoon on we the do, show. We do, coming you? in on WhatsApp, Fast and Furious. Um, a lady from Navin said, I was nearly caught out by a scammer on Facebook. Mm. I had to answer four questions about a product with a certain company and apparently got all four right. But I gave my phone number, which mm. meant I was subscribing 10 euro a week. But thankfully, I got a cancel just in time, she said. Um, and Bernadette says, Jerry, the tables outside the polling station that you were talking about earlier... It uh, was a lot better than all those posters up everywhere now. The money spent is crazy on them and should go to the health care. Uh, it really annoys me and it makes the place look so untidy. Best wishes to that lovely lady, which was Nancy Stewart that was on earlier. Uh, a lot of kids nowadays don't even know you can grow your own vegetables. <laughs> She's yeah. so right in yeah, all she yeah, says. Yeah, they, they think they're 59 cent in Aldi. Yeah. Aldi. Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know what cent they are. There's so many cents. They think that's that's where they come from. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, next week on Late Lunch, early in the week, Nikki Kyle, our organic gardening guru, is joining us. And if you've never done it before, or even if you have, Nikki's joining us and she's just going to recommend a few nice varieties of potatoes to put in, of, you know, peas and cabbage and lettuce and things like that. A few Brilliant. nice, easy varieties that can get you going. So Nikki will be with us early Idiot next week. Varieties. Yes, yes, and anyone can do it. <laughs> but if you haven't, it's seeds. It's uh, seed potatoes. Tomatoes, she'll be recommending those as well. And you can get them going now over the next few weeks and you'll have your own. You can do it, I promise you. Gardening, one of the loveliest and most fulfilling and interesting pastimes you can have, I promise you. Now, the clot nappy. You, I take it you never used cloth nappies. No, Louise. never. No. No. I think they were used on me, but I never used yes. them. Yes. I can't remember back in the day with our. I just pair. remember the big, massive pins. Oh, big that and. My mother used to have. Pink and blue and white with the yeah. big tops on them. Really big, yeah. Yeah, the cloth nappy. And now it's just you get it, you use it, and you dump it, and it stuffs up your toilets. Never put you them in the toilet. toilet. But there are people do down drains. You not know the, you know these fat bergs that happen in, yeah, yeah. in Maine. Wipes. You wouldn't believe what, yeah, but nappy, things like this. Go, no, they should never go in. I know. Well, anyway, the cloth nappy, you can reuse and reuse and reuse. And they're back. Before Christmas on late lunch, one afternoon we were having a chat about this, uh, uh, nappies and the use of nappies and, you know, that they're used once and gone. And we had a number of people actually who called us to say uh, that they were using cloth nappies again from Louth and Meath. In fact, one lady, Frances, told us that the line, she was looking out the line and there they were blown away, drying on the line. Well, 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 when we did a little more digging, we came across a, a group called uh, the Fluffy Team and Claude Nappy Library Ireland. And joining me to tell me more is Orla Matthews. Afternoon, Orla. Good morning, Jerry. Or good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks so much for taking our call today. Tell us about Claude Nappy Library Ireland. What are you about? So the Clonmapy Library Ireland is, um, we have a national library and we were set up in 2012 by four mums who were scattered all over the country um, who wanted to use clot nappies and there wasn't much information and there wasn't very many nappies around the country at the time. So they decided to get together, set up a Facebook group. From there, the website came. They applied for um, some local funding, managed to get that and bought some nappies and started loaning them out to people that they knew more so and people on the, the Facebook group. And from there, it's grown now to all the different loans that we do. And yeah, so we've grown and volunteers all over the country now and meets all over the country as well, which we call Nappuccinos. Um, so they're very popular. Um, you, the, the idea of the library is that you know, if you want to purchase nappies or, you know, you're considering making the move to cloth, it's a bit daunting at first and you're not quite sure if it's for you. So we provide a loan um, and you can get three different kinds of loans that are the most popular. We do several more as well, but the newborns, which would be one of the most popular ones, and that's 20 to 24 nappies for six weeks. Um, we do a postal birth party loan. Um, so that's 10 nappies for three weeks for 25 euros. And you can also get a local birth potty loan, and it is available in the area there, Need and Loud and Mead, um, for 10 nappies at 15 euros. Uh, so you're cutting out the postal cost by meeting local volunteers. And we also do a long-term loan. So this is for people who are on a budget, on you know very tight budget, and you can get 20 to 24 nappies 
for nine months at just 30 euros. So I defy anybody to, yes. to have their baby in, in nappies for less than that mm. over nine months. That's a wonderful saving, I'm sure, compared to yeah. uh, the disposable ones. So this is great because, as you say, to make the transition or maybe give it a go, you're worried, will you, won't you? So you don't have to have a big outlay initially. You can get exactly. them from yourselves. Exactly. You take out the loan and really the cost, we, we do get local funding for the loan. So we apply to the various county councils around the country and if they provide us a funding, we buy the nappies for the loan. The cost really is just to cover postage. That's the difference between the postal and the local loan. The local loan is only 15 euros and that's just for the maintenance. That's just for looking after it, the volunteers trying to take care of it, wash it, sanitize it when it comes back in. And obviously the 25 euros for the postal loan is just to cover postage as well. So really it's it's a try before you buy service. You know, um, and then even when you do buy, like if, if you want to buy the nappies new, it can cost you anything between two hundred to five hundred euros if you were to buy the whole lot up front. Right, and some people are fine with that, but a lot of people you know, would say, oh, that's a big cost up front. So mm. let's try this out. I'm saying that I would like to reiterate, if you are considering it, a lot of people, myself included, we didn't buy a load of nappies up front. You buy nappies here and there as you go along. Your average price of a new nappy is kind of between 10 and, and 25 euros, depending on the brand and the kind of nappy. And, but you can also buy second-hand nappies online. There's five in second-hand markets and nappies. You know, so you yeah. can buy them for kind of less than 10 euros as well, depending. So there's something for everybody's budget, put it that way. What about the pins? Myself and Louise were talking about <laughs> the pins before you came on. Well, the... They're long gone. They're uh, long gone. The what, pins, what do you secure yeah. them with now? Yeah, and, and do you know what? That's actually the biggest problem with clot nappies, is the perception of them. And do you know what? It's always the older generation as well who remember them you know, being the buckets and nappy sand and, you know, steeping them and, and putting them in the old twin tub and the, the hard work that they wear. And um, so they're nothing like that anymore. Do you know? Now, you can still get the terry cloths. I don't know anybody who uses them, though. Mm. A modern cloth nappy, um, is, they're very colourful. They're so pretty. Um, they go on just like a disposable. Instead of, like, plastic, you know, sticky tabs, they actually use Velcro. Um, okay. Snaps, or you can have snappers, you know, like poppers, so that they pop. And um, they, so they, they go on, and there's different kinds of nappies themselves, but there's one called an all-in-one or a pocket nappy, which is just like a disposable nappy in that it goes, it's all in one piece, you know, um, and um, you, you just put it on the baby as you would a disposable and you take it off again. And we, we do a thing with nappies when they come off, called dry paling rather than the old buckets of nappy sand we don't do that anymore with them and a dry pail is you can have either a nappy bag or like that a bucket and you wash your nappies every two to three days you know so um you go in the bucket and then you see our modern washing machines are you know take all the effort and hard work out of it to be perfectly honest so you're not and then they go out in the line back in for an air and on the baby's bum again. And that's it. So so it's a two-step yeah. process. You, you steep yeah. them in the bucket or whatever first, yeah? You don't steep them. No, no you don't steep them. No. It's not like the old days. No steeping. It's it's called dry paling. Which okay. Means it's just like, or you can have a nappy. A lot of people use nappy bags, you know? So okay. you have like a wet bag, it's called. And you just throw them in there when you're done. Now, obviously, if you have a solid, like, you know, yes. 
solid poo, you just tip that into the toilet first. Okay. And flush it as you would any other. And then the nappy goes into either the, the nappy bag or into the... the That's the, it. The toilet, yeah, into the bucket. And into your machine, away you go, out in the line, back in, yeah. and the job's oxo. Yeah. And wash at 60 and it kills everything, you know what I mean? Yes. It kills all bacteria and all that. Because that is a, another concern. Like, oh, will it kill everything? And Yes, it absolutely would. And we do recommend that you wash it a, a hot wash to, to yes. kill off germs. Um, a lot of man- nappy manufacturers can say that they, they will go on a lower temperature, around 40 degrees, but to be on the safe side, I would do kind of 50 or 60. Okay. Now, um, just before we finish, two things. Uh, for working mums, you know, what are you hearing back? You know, is, is this more yeah. for mums who uh, are at home with their children or how does that work? No. I mean, first of all, mums that are home with their children are just as busy as the mums are. <laughs> um, and I will tell you, I'm a single parent and I am um, and doing it on my own as well. Uh, everyone thought I was nuts. But as soon as I started, I was like, this is not a big deal at all, at all. Um, and I was back working full time and managing the whole house plus the baby on my own. And I had no problem doing the nappy wash. OK, that's we good have, to hear. Just so you know, we have we do have parents. And I say mums, because mainly is mums looking after the nappies. But, you know, they could have five or six kids and they manage them no problem. And we have plenty. Most of our parents are working parents. And they work it in. And the one thing I'll say is that when they balance the cost of the weight of the black bin um, compared to the extra wash, there's no comparison. When they <laughs> see the difference, and that usually convinces most of the dads as well, when they actually see how yes. much money they're saving. So the saving not, there, not yeah. putting the bin out. That usually says, you know what, we'll give you happy to go and see. Well, there you have it. The saving all round and you're helping the environment, etc. Remind well. us again, where do people find out more information about you, you can, people? Yeah. Can I just mention, because you are allowed to meet there, so there are local groups there as well. For anybody listening in, for your, for your listeners, there's loads. It's a very active community up there. So okay. you've got the East Mead. If anyone's listening, the East Mead Clot Mappy Group for Tara, and she's going to have a meet-up in Drogheda coming up soon in March. Okay. Um, and uh, the At Bags from At Boy, they're doing a community coffee morning on the 24th of Feb, that's Donna, and they're doing a specific meeting for Clot Nappies, you know, so okay. it's a specific meeting for that. There's Fiona and Natasha in Trim, and they have a meeting coming up in March. And Jill, who's up in Carrigmacross, so she does a Clot Nappy meet-up on the last, Friday of the month and you can check out her page in Character Cross Clot Nappy Meetup um, and then there's also the tidy towns up in Carlif- Carlingford have a they're not actually associated with us but I know Joanne up there has a kit um, so get in touch with her and okay. you can find out more Lovely. and then we also have the Earth Baby Fair sorry just coming up in Maynooth where if you're in any other part of the country, you know, you can come down to that. That's like a national meet. It's a, it's a big fair. You'll get all the retailers there selling the nappies. Plus, it's a massive, what we call a nappuccino meet-up, where you can come and see the nappies okay. and for ourselves. Okay. okay, great. Lovely. Thanks for talking to us today, Orla. Take care no of yourself. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. From Clot Nappy Library, Ireland. And just reminding you again before we finish... The home of Just Great Country Music has arrived. We're proud to announce the launch of a brand new station, LMFM Country. So as you love country, go to the LMFM app or lmfm.ie where you can click on the Listen Live button to hear Just Great Country all day. It's only available on the LMFM app and lmfm.ie. But to wet your whistle, you'll hear this fella. See you tomorrow at half one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. 
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.